Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Drive Nation podcast with Dan Prosser and Andrew Frankel. In this episode of the podcast, we're playing that much-loved pub cardboard game um dream five car garage but we're going to play it with a little bit of a twist to make it more difficult for ourselves um now before we get stuck into the five car dream garage game andrew we're just going to do a few minutes on the 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 race over the weekend the 24 hours of le mans because last week we said we would um now we're going to keep it quite brief i think because you know not everyone watched the race not everyone followed it and certainly not everyone will be in, uh, interested but we'll 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 just sort of run over it quite quickly um in last week's podcast we we did a a bit of a preview and we said we weren't forecasting a really epic memorable 24 hours uh, do, do you think we had that right yeah for once i think we actually got something right um <laughs> it was it was a pretty epic hour <laughs> right at the end <laughs> Yeah. Um, but oh, hello, everybody. Um, but um, yeah, I you know I I, I spent a, an awful lot of my weekend waiting for something to happen. Um, and you know, I think all the things that we kind of kidded ourselves might happen, like you know, the rebellions could give the Toyotas a really good run for their money, and when the first Toyota had its turbo trouble, thinking, or oh, that might happen to the second Toyota, and that may may, may end up us having a you know, a proper race. Uh, I mean, right out the front, it was, you know, we got ourselves into a situation where if that number eight Toyota didn't break, it was going to win and win by miles, which it, which it duly did. But I think that there was in the other categories, um, I think there was a lot to be, um, to be happy about, but, but yeah, ultimately it just boiled down to, didn't it? After the end of that lengthy, late safety car period, right at the, right at the death, um, there was some, uh, there, there, there was definitely some good stuff going on there, and it, it was a fairly absorbing last uh, hour. But I don't think anybody will ever say uh, it was a classic, and I guess that somewhat sweetens the pill of none of us actually getting to to be there this year. Yeah, yeah. At least there is that that sort of silver lining. Um, yeah. So as you said, the number eight Toyota did win. Um, no surprises there, really. 
Um, in LMP2, I mean, they were, we said they would be, and they were really going at it all the way through the 24 hours. And in the, as you said, in the closing stages of the race, it looked like we were set for a titanic duel, didn't it, between the, the Jota car and yeah. the United Autosports car that ultimately won. Yeah. But sadly, then, the Jota car had to go in for a splash and dash and the, the race and it was, and, and it was I mean, my problem with the LMP2, it, it was, you know, for much of the race, although there was a fabulous race for, you know, for uh, between the AF Corsa Ferrari, which James Collado was, uh, was driving and the lead um, GT Pro Aston Martin. Um, but in, in LMP2, because it's basically, it's visually, it's like a kind of a one-mate race series, uh, and the cars all look the same and sound the same, it's difficult to know who to root for, because, yeah. you know, unless you follow, you know, Le Mans, the, the WEC, and sports car racing very closely, you know, you look at all those LMP2 cars, and you don't know which particular car it is, you don't know which particular team it is, you don't know which particular drivers are in it, so it's it's quite difficult to... Um, to invest emotionally in it. But, you know, if you see, you know, Ferrari versus Aston Martin, which was the big story in in GT Pro, um, and indeed in AM, um, and, you know, the shapes are very obvious um, and you know who the drivers are. And and, and so I found myself being, despite the fact that, you know, the best racing was undoubtedly in in P2, um, I found myself being rooting more for the GT Pro drivers um, and having more fun watching that than LMP2. Yeah, that's yeah. You're right. Actually, the how recognisable those GTE cars are makes a huge difference, doesn't it? And yeah, it does. When you're when you're watching on TV, it doesn't really matter that they're not as fast as the other stuff. They they look great, and you you can immediately spot what they are. Um, yeah, it's interesting how that just sort of makes you tune into it and engage with that that aspect of the race a little bit more. Um, so it also gives me. Um, you know, great hope for you know if these hypercars, these alleged hypercars, yeah. turn up. Um, you know, I was looking at the Peugeot announcement which came over the weekend, um, and they were saying you know that that, that that they interpret the rules as saying that they actually have quite a lot of latitude for allowing. Uh, manufacturers to make cars that do look distinctly different it's not just going to be a sort of one size fits all category um which you know i find quite um quite exciting um but you know we we, as as far as that's concerned then we will have to wait to see who actually comes out of the woodwork because uh i think it's one of those great ideas i think the uh what do they call it the lmdh category the so the lamar daytona um uh, hypercar uh, category which is a sort of blend between IMSA and WEC I think that is going to do really well because um, you know those cars uh, largely exist and there are lots of players who know how to do that but whether you know all these car manufacturers are really going to um, design these hypercars um, from scratch uh, at a time like this is 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 is, is another matter and, and also the regs are, cl- are, are slightly odd insofar as you know, you have to build road cars um, to uh, before. Well, not before you can race them. You have to have built twenty-five, uh, built and sold twenty-five road cars by the end of the season in which you first race, and then a hundred by the end of the second season. If my understanding of the rules is correct, and if indeed they haven't changed, because they seem to do that quite a lot. Um, and so, you know, are Toyota and Peugeot really going to build a hundred hypercars? And if they do, are they going to sell them? Um, it's it's a strange thought isn't it 
It's, well, I mean, I think it's I think it's a point worth making. I mean, nothing against Peugeot or Toyota, but you know, people who spend huge amounts of money on supercars tend to spend them on you know Ferraris and McLarens and Porsches in the absolute blue bloods of the sport. Um, and I, you know, I'm, maybe they can, but I haven't seen anything which says to me that Peugeot is going to find selling a hundred hypercars to the general public a remotely Easy, easy thing to do, given how much presumably they're gonna they're gonna have to cost. So um, God, I've gone right down a different area. <laughs> I'm really sorry, um, but you know, no, I, I started. I can't even remember what I started talking about. But um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you were you were saying that hopefully these hypercars, you know, how, however that category sort of turns out, however it develops, um, hopefully we'll have a handful of different cars from different manufacturers that look recognisable um, because. Even to me, watching it on television, even the Toyotas and the Rebellions look quite similar. Completely correct. Yeah, and and, and indeed the Rebellions look quite similar to the LMP2 cars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh dear. Well, there we go. And I mean, a, a huge amount of credit though to Aston Martin winning both GTE classes. Um, that's fantastic. We, we were there last year, weren't we? When they got absolutely stiffed by the ACO on Complete, the morning I mean, of race in, in, day. In the same way that Porsche got stiffed this year. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Their race was ruined, wasn't it? Um, by you know, they had their boost taken away, didn't they? Sadly, you know, all that, all that sort of uh, regulatory wrangling. It, it it makes me wonder what I'm watching. Well, I mean, that's that's, that's the thing. I mean, you know, a- absolutely right. Fair play to. I mean, sorry, kind of a big shout out for British teams because there were four categories at Le Mans this year, and three of them were won by, won by British teams. So United Auto Sports um one p2 um and aston martin racing one gt pro and ts sport one gtm um so you know i think i think that's great but at the same time you know we know that porsche were really really quick this weekend and yet their car couldn't get out their own way during the race and we knew last year that aston martin had you know a good package um really good package actually in quali um and then you know they came nowhere during the race and so what you're looking at is not the difference between you know, one car manufacturer doing a better job than another car manufacturer, which is what absolutely you should be looking at. But, you know, puppeteers pulling strings and manipulating these things and almost as if to say to Aston Martin, well, you know, you got stuff last year, so it's your turn this year. Or this is just to make up for completely rolling you over last year. And yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not going to say that is what's happening, but you would definitely be forgiven for coming to that conclusion. Mm, yeah i find that slightly tricky um a big shout out from me to one of the drivers in the aston martin am car the winning car charlie eastwood who's a, a young lad um he he actually drove the car across the line at the end of the race um and i a few years ago i did a 24 hour race with him i shared a cart with him um and he he was he's a young guy but he's good company he's good fun he i think he did the first stint for us in the cart um, this was in at Daytona at Milton Keynes. He did the first stint, and then he buggered off to see his girlfriend. He drove to Norfolk or something to see her. To see her. <laughs> I'm glad to see he's got his priorities on the right order. <laughs> and then he eventually made it back just in time to do one more stint before the race was over. Um, so I'd, I was just pleased to see him um, uh, uh, winning I, I presume, at the presume, Presumably, you blew him into the weeds. Uh, no. I, no, I was utterly, utterly hopeless. I'm, do you know what? I'm not a, a particularly good carter anyway, despite owning one that I've only used a few times. I, I, I find it too physical and I get, I think I move about in the seat a lot. So I get really beaten up when I'm, when I'm driving them. I, 
I, I stopped doing it. Uh, and my excuse, which is quite a good excuse, is that I, you know, put me in a cart and that cart suddenly weighs 100 kilos more than it did <laughs> with, without me in it. I can remember doing one with the, the auto car mob, you know, back in the day with, I don't know, with, 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 with Sutcliffe. I think it was pre-Harris, but and it, it was one of these... I'm not sure. It was a, they, they, they think it was a 24-hour one. I remember that. And it was a long race. And, you know, I think I, I did the first stint, which I know was 40 minutes. And I was I was foaming at the mouth when they got when they pulled me out of it. I could I could <laughs> not get out of the car. I had to be pulled out of it. Uh, I didn't get back in it again because I was just, I was literally, I was done after one. Not only was I done after one stint, I was so slow, frankly, they didn't want me back in it. So and I, I, I've <laughs> yeah. not been in the car since. I can relate. Yeah, so when I did this 24-hour race a few years ago, they were in, you know, pretty decent two-stroke carts so with quick engines um and some of daytona the milton Keynes track is pretty bumpy and i i found that after one lap i was thinking oh my god my arms are done i can't really hold on to this thing i've got 40 minutes yeah and of course you you know you're it, it hurts and you, you just sort of carry on and Actually, before you know it, the forty minutes are up, and you're you're out of the cart. Oh, um, I, now, now we've disappeared down another completely different alley. Can I tell you my karting story? Yes, you can. So, so, would you be glad to know this has got nothing whatever to do with me? Um, I was doing some kart race somewhere. I know it might not even be, might be one of these things where you just where a bunch of you just go and hire a, a place and you'll cock about in carts. And we did that, and there was a sort of an interval in the middle of it when they sent out the, the, the they sent out the young kids. Um, you know, to just to sort of have, have a whiz round. Um, I wish I could remember where this was. All I can remember about it was there was this young black kid who was just in a completely and utterly different world to anybody else like that. <laughs> um, and yeah, well, it was. It was. And, and, and the terrible thing is, the only reason I remember this was because he was black and therefore he looked completely different to anybody else in the building. Uh, and just thinking, this guy's amazing. Um, and so I remembered his name. And it was. So there you go. Wow. So, what, what did he go on to to achieve? Oh, not much. Hmm. Six, six world championships, championships. <laughs> and counting with a seventh on the way. Yeah. Um, so, so that's my karting story. Anyway, um, we. Oh well, hang on, to... hang on, hang on. I've, I've go got on. a karting story. I've go got a karting on, story. Um, this is going to sound slightly immodest, but it's also true. So, I'm going to say it. Although, is it immodest? I don't know. You're going to have to let me know what you think. Uh, so, years and years ago, I was probably twenty. Um, did a. a karting event it was like a, a bmw were involved somehow but anyway we were down at uh, nigel mansell's kart track in dorset um and he was there uh and oh, oh i hope i hope this goes the way i think it's going to go keep going well he, he so i i did a kart race against nigel mansell um and i i can't remember if it i you know it might have been the case that we all just went out there and bombed around for a bit um and came back in. I don't think it was a properly sort of structured race with a start and, you know, all that stuff. Um, but anyway, I do remember um, I, I'd sussed out which one was 1992 Formula One world champion Mansell. Yeah. Um, and I, I wasn't near him on the track, but there was a part of the track where, uh, you know, I'd, it, the, it, the circuit sort of doubles back on itself and uh, you could see the other part of the track. And he was there um, and I was always at the same corner uh, wow. when I saw him. So that meant that he was circulating no faster than I was. Exactly. Yeah, you get him, <laughs> which I'm quite pleased about. However, he was, you know, what was he? He must have been mid fifties or something then. No, fifty maybe back then. Um, a slightly bigger bloke. I don't think he probably did much karting when he was a kid. So, yeah. I don't but know, he was maybe... also Nigel Mansell. He was Nigel Mansell. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, I look at you in an all new way from now on. <laughs> there you go. I, 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 I am a hopeless carter, though. You know, I, I think, I, I don't know, maybe he was, 
Oh, he clearly wasn't trying, but I, I'm utterly hopeless in a cart. I just, I find it too physical. It's pathetic, really, but there we go. Anyway, so we, we've totally distracted ourselves with karting stories yes. there. Yes. Um, we need to get back onto this game that we promised we were going to play. I hope um, that yours is full of sort of esoteric old stuff that I've never heard of. because I, No, I, not really. I, oh, I fear mine's a bit too predictable. Okay, so, um, so mine's, mine's got some old stuff in it. In fact, quite a lot of old stuff. Yeah, I've got a couple. In fact, got a couple. mostly old stuff. Um, but so, so can we just establish the ground rules? So, so, so this is money, no object. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but do you does does whatever your your list is? Does it have to have a, a daily driver in there? Um, well, they're the only cars that you have access to. So okay, you know, so you have got... to have, you, ha- you have to have something you can use every day in there. Well, it's but it, it, that's entirely open to interpretation. If, if you've only got. GTO Ferraris and you know whatever you're going to have to use one of those every day and if you're prepared to do that then that's fine but okay but but you've got to be honest about it you have you'd have to be able to put yeah. your hand on your heart and say yes I would I would honestly be prepared to use a 250 GTO every day exactly um, and also the other the other rule I'm going to impose in this um is um I, I'm going to pretend I don't have children because you don't have children um and so because otherwise my daily driver would have to have you know I'd have to have an estate car or something so um so just okay. to even out the the the, uh, the field a little bit, I'm I'm, I'm going to I'm going to make that assumption. Okay. And how many times has your list changed? Oh, it hasn't, because I've, this list has been in my head for oh thirty years. Uh, okay. So you know there are, there are one or two cars on the on, on the list which went around thirty years ago. So they've kind of evolved a bit. Yeah. Okay. I'd love oh, to so say I spent, yours I, spent, is... I spent days agonising over this. In fact, I just wrote right. it down. So yours is quite a steady state thing then. Mine, uh, mine isn't. Mine fluctuates and changes. I vacillate back and forth all the time. Yeah, but okay. Mine um, only changes a bit when we apply the twist, which we haven't spoken about yet. So um, uh, okay, yeah, and it changes a bit. But anyway, so um, how are we going to do this? Are you going to kick off? Um, no, I want you to kick off, please. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, do you want me to do you want me to name the five cars, or do you want me to go through each one, or the justification for each one? How are we going to play it? Yeah, I think. Um, I think I want a full explanation and justification before we move on to the next car. Okay, so um, uh, car one is the F40. Okay, the F40 is there because it's the greatest road car I've ever driven. Um, and I, d- I don't think I really need to justify them in, in, in terms other than that. It would make me beyond happy to know that I owned an F40. Um, there is a bit of an issue over what you do with an F40, um, but I think it's one of those very rare occasions where I would find stuff to do with it, and when I wasn't having finding stuff to do with it, it wouldn't, like most of my cars do, just make me feel guilty about not driving them. I think I would just be so stoked about owning an F40. So that's the F40. Okay? Fair enough, yeah. Okay, next one. Um, uh, be- because I love really old sheds, I have to have a really old shed in there. And so the particular old shed I would have is just a really nice, open, touring, four-and-a-half-litre Bentley from about 1929. Um, I-, I-, I happen to know these sorts of cars quite well. I love their engineering. The way Bentley used to engineer things is because you know metallurgy wasn't what it was because knowledge wasn't what it was back then he basically over over engineered absolutely everything um because that way he knew it wouldn't break so he made things actually massively better than they needed to be there was one there after one 24 hour race which bentley won in the 1920s they stripped down the engine of the winning car measured everything and at the end of it wrote the 
stripped-down report, which read, in total, nothing to report. So they put the engine <laughs> back together again and sent it off to go and do some more racing. Uh, and I love that total engineering approach. And if you drive those things, they are so mechanical. They keep you so busy. Um, and, and also, you know, they, they, just, they just don't break. I mean, I've got a mate who's got one, and he's been, I mean, literally almost everywhere and he's done peaking to paris he did peaking to paris and he had a problem with a batch of inner tubes he then drove it the whole coast of west america and it literally nothing went wrong and he's done not tens probably hundreds of thousands of miles in 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 these things and they just keep going so so that's that's the bentley that's that that, okay that that story of your mate i I was about to ask you what the hell you'd do with it but it sounds like you really could use it and go on you could you could do everything massive adventures but that's the thing you could do anything with you could take it to the pub um, you could do you can race them you can do massive events in them i mean they are unbelievably usable you can put your kids in the back of them um you could do anything you like with them um and 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 you don't lose your license in them because ultimately you know they won't do more than uh, you know a really good one might just do 100 miles an hour um so you know they're great um, good shout so the next one is well I, the next two are bracketed because you can't have one without the other okay oh hold on uh hmm. no, no no just bear with me okay okay <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say. I'm, I'm not oh, going to say. Are you, are you talking about the Fiat Bravo and the Fiat Bravo? <laughs> you know me too well, Dad. No, okay, so, um, so uh, obviously I have to have a racing car in there. Yeah. Um, so um, and and, the, and frankly, you know, when I think of racing cars, and and I know so many people who, who feel like this, um, the racing car I want is a Lola T70 Mark III B. Um, for any of you out there who is not sad enough to know what a Lola T70 Mark III B is, uh, a go and look it up because it is one of the most indescribably beautiful things that you could ever imagine. Um, but it was it was a late 1960s uh, sports racing car. It rather got blown into the weeds by things like Porsche 917s. Um, but they were so beautiful. They make an incredible noise. Um, yeah, the thing about the, the Mark III B is I have driven one years and years ago, and I drove it as hard as I could, and I felt that's my level. I thought that I could just about manage to um, race one of those. I've driven quite a few things that are quicker than that. I mean, they're still you know 850 kilo car with 500 horsepower, so they'll definitely keep you on your toes, but no downforce. And if you get into things that are materially quicker than that, yes, I can drive them around a the track. Yes, I might even be able to drive them, you know, reasonably respectfully um, in terms of, you know, how fast they could ultimately go, but I wouldn't want to race one. Whereas a, a Mark III B, absolutely. And it's also a monocoque, unlike things like 917s, which are space frames, which means if you hit something, you, you at least have a chance of surviving the experience um, so that's the lola and obviously because you've now got a racing car you've got to get it to the circuit yes so you need a tow car so you have to have uh-huh. a g-wagon don't you <laughs> so that's the fourth okay. car so that's the fourth car so you have a g-wagon to tow the which lola. one which one diesel i mean i would you know there's a bit of me which says you know of course you know you've got to get the 63 with the you know with with the whiz bang twin turbo v8 in it but in fact you know can you imagine the fuel consumption of one of those when you're in a bit of a hurry (laughs) towing a lola i mean you'd be stopping at every other other service station and that would just even if i was rich enough not to care about the cost um I, i i that would just cheese me off so i just have a nice dark diesel g wagon um and so that's four done and the fifth car is the daily driver which of course is is a manual gt3 touring i mean it couldn't be anything else Could it? <laughs> interesting that you should say that yes um, okay well sh- should i go through mine and then we'll start we'll apply the twist yeah yeah 
Okay. All right. Well, I'm starting with my daily driver. Um, yeah. And so what I've gone for, uh, it's a very original one. This is a, a, a 911 GT3 Touring. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's, it's the first one on my list. It's, yes. It's, yes. It's, and, it's, and, and, and dear listeners, can I just say, I promise you, Dan and I have not compared notes in advance in any way, shape, mean or form. This is as news to, much news to me as it is to you. It's interesting, isn't it, that that's, that's the one that, that leaps out. Um, so I, we should probably explain it a little bit. Let's get stuck into the GT3 Touring for a moment. Um, I'll explain my sort of reasons for choosing it. A, I think, well, it's got that spectacular engine and the manual box to go with it. So it's got an, an amazing powertrain. Um, I love that it looks much subtler than a, a normal GT3 with a big rear wing. And particularly if you have it on in a, a slightly muted tone, maybe a black, um, and on Harris had one on gold wheels, didn't he? Which looked fantastic, but it yeah. wasn't subtle. But no. I think if you've got a black car... More, with, su- more subtle than his current one. Yeah, the yellow one. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But I think if you've got a black one with silver wheels, you know, you and I will know, and people listening will know, but to everyone else, it's just a Porsche. Yeah. And that sort of thing I'd, just really appeals to me. I, I love that, you know, it's a bit more under the radar than... You know, certainly more so than a, a GT3 RS. It's much more me, actually. Um, they're great to drive. You, you, they're not so hardcore or so noisy that they're a pain in normal driving. Actually, far from it. They're fine. Um, it, it, it just it ticks so many boxes. Is, is that, does that pretty much yeah, you know, sum absolutely, it up for you? Absolutely. And, and I think it's, you know, it's a rare and special car. You, know, you mustn't forget that this is a car with, you know a manual gearbox and a normally aspirated engine and a wonderful normally aspirated engine and a wonderful manual gearbox and how many of those are left um you know i was driving a bullet mustang the other day and it suddenly realized to me that it is the you know the mustang is now the only manual rear drive normally aspirated v car v8 car you can buy um and and these cars are are dying and you know i think we must just enjoy and celebrate them while we go and otherwise yes it's absolutely what you say they're just wonderful things to drive uh, i certainly don't need a car to be faster than that um uh, they handle beautifully but they are and you know they also you know they you know, they ride well enough they're quiet enough they are genuinely usable daily drivers you I know mean, i know um someone who, do, who who does do that and he he just loves it it's and i would just have a a sort of dark gray definitely debadge it everything you say just make it subtle and discreet um as i possibly can and keep it forever just do all the miles and thing do 150,000 miles on it you know it's just imagine how happy you'd be and it would probably still be worth something at the end of it because yeah, it's you yeah. know because by then those sorts of cars ugh, may not be around anymore so why one of those over a 911R? Because a 911R is rare and special, and some, something in my head says it's a recreation, it's a collector's thing. Um, the, the, there is something which makes me think, in my, in my own weird way, that a GT3 Touring is a more usable car because I wouldn't mind doing all yeah. those miles, damaging yeah, yeah. it, and, and, and that sort of thing. Whereas in a 911R. Damaging it? What have you got in mind? <laughs> Well, you know, shit happens, doesn't it? Stuff it does. just happens. You know, you, you know, I'm not the world's most perfect parker. You know, I could damage no. a wheel, or, or or some idiot could take the nose off. I mean, you, you just don't know, do you? And I wouldn't 
you know, if I was in a 9-11 R, I would, I'd, and also, you know, I suppose, if this is really is a money, no object conversation, I suppose it doesn't matter. But in fact, of course it does. And you would be thinking about the value of the thing um, and the miles you're putting on it and the effect that was having on the value in a way that I just don't think you would if you had, you know, a GT3 Touring, which, you know, as, as, as you know, as, as well as anybody, is a car that was made in as many numbers as Porsche thought it could sell. Yeah, there we go. I think that explains why both of us, without having you know consulted one another, we've we've chosen that car. It's a it's a mighty thing. Um, okay, so now that I've got my and that is my daily. Oh, it's your daily car as well, isn't it? Yeah. So we've both chosen a GT3 Touring as a daily. Um, and the the second car that I wanted once I had my daily was actually a racing car. Um, Good. And I want something a bit older. I've I've never driven one of these. But just having watched lots of footage of them, it looks like exactly what I want from a historic racing car. And the point for me is that I want this car to share with mates at Goodwood and other places like that. Yeah. It's, it's all about doing it with mates because, I, you know, I just think <clears throat> that, would, that would be actually more fun than driving the car itself, maybe. Um, and I think at the moment I want a Lotus Cortina. Oh, Okay. When, I, when I've seen them, particularly at Goodwood, because it's such a flowing circuit, um, and they're sort of nose to tail, and they're drifting through the quick stuff, uh, that's just the, that's the kind of driving that I want to do. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. That, that's, that's what it's all about for me, really. Mega cars. Never driven one, but um, I've, I've chased enough in races and watched enough. You're absolutely right. I think they would just be... Um, would it would it be important to you that it had provenance? Because obviously most of them aren't Lotus Cortinas at all. They're just um, old Cortina shells that have been lotusified. Would it, would it matter to you that yours was an ex Jim? I mean, you got all the money in the world. Why not? <laughs> well, that's the, true. The, 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 the ex Jim Clark Lotus Cortina, um, or would you be happy? Or, or would you be happier with a car that was made last week um, from an old shell, and then you could think to yourself, if you smash it to pieces, it wouldn't matter because you weren't destroying history. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I need, perhaps need to give this a bit more thought. I think the most important thing to me, and I'm not suggesting that a car with provenance would be any less reliable, but I just want it to be tough and strong and, you know, usable because I, I don't want something uh, that's, you know, just going to let us down at the start of the weekend because that's just it just defeats the whole object, doesn't it? So, yeah, if it was built last week, that's absolutely fine for me. Good. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, okay. Well, I've got... Got my daily. I've got my racing car. I want. I do want a proper classic. Um, and I, again, I've not driven one of these. I've, I've, I've picked out a few cars that I've not even bloody driven. Oh, you that? I'm, yeah, I'm a fantasist. Um, but I want a, a Ferrari 250 GT short wheelbase, just because I think they're maybe the most beautiful road car there's been. Um, they. I, I actually, I've, I've watched one racing. I, I wouldn't race mine. It would be for the road. Um, and I just, you know, drive it into town and park up outside a restaurant and just feel like the coolest man on earth just for a moment. Um, I, I think they're absolutely stunning. Those those engines, are those V12s, they're the gorgeous, best. aren't they? Yeah, the best. Yeah, I'd, I'd adore having that thing. And I'd probably wouldn't use it that often but when when you did wheel it out it would just, it would be so special wouldn't it and you'd, you'd and feel would you, incredible would you, would you do distances would you and the missus because that you know that, that's the difference the, the major difference you're not racing between a, a short wheelbase and a gto is you know it does have you know reasonable amount of luggage space it is you know it's not 
particularly quiet and comfortable, but it's sufficiently quiet and comfortable that you could do I mean, would you and the missus just get in it and just bugger off around Europe for a fortnight? I mean, wouldn't that just be over the, over the mountains? And Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's perfect, isn't it? That's just... Heaven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what... Yeah, you're right. It's, it's for, it's for um, you know, popping out on a, on a Sunday at home, but then also doing big, long yeah. driving trips through yeah. the summer. Yeah, be So fantastic. to be used for either very short or very long journeys and nothing in between. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, no commuting. Um, okay, well, you've mentioned, mentioned my misses, and that's why my fourth um, candidate, my fourth selection will be a singer, DLS. Um, um, because lovely. yeah well she she works on the she works with singer and she's an engineer and she you know she coordinates lots of the suppliers but she also specs the cars with the clients and i think it'll be great fun to sit down with her and spec our car um they, i'm amazed you, you haven't done so already Wait, what are you waiting for well i we've interesting you should say because i've got all the samples in my living room um all the leather samples, all the paint colours, everything, all the you know bits of bright trim options, they're all in my living room, and I do flick through it from time to time just to go, would that work with the duck egg blue? And, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it's I just I, that car. I've had a bit of insight into the project, and the the engineering that's gone on into it is staggering. Um, you know, they've made they've made the ducktail spoiler work because it never really did in period. Um, they've done a four valve head, yes, uh, which was never done in period on a uh, an air-cooled engine um yeah, it, it, and i think it just looks spectacular even just static i think it it's such a great looking machine and i'd i'd absolutely love having one of those and it, i think it would sit somewhere between the classic the the 250 gt shot wheelbase and the modern 911 touring because it, it well it sort of is a, a combination of the two isn't it it, it would I, have I, a bit I, more of a classic car character than a modern supercar for instance Am I at this stage allowed to call for a steward's inquiry on the grounds that you've got two 911s in your list? Well, you didn't say up top. I've, yeah, I've thought about it. I, I did wonder if that was cheating a little bit, but... I think, I think that's shocking behaviour. Well, the rules need to be clearer. <sighs> two 911s. <laughs> oh. Dan, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed, to be honest, but, you know, I suppose I should, I should have put it up front. I should have said up front, you cannot have more than one type of a particular... Yeah. I, I feel like such a... Ah, uh, you know, a hopelessly predictable car yeah. journalist and, and, and so you should. to 911. So you should. Oh, well. Anyway, hang your head and move on to your next car. Final car is, and because, yeah, well, you, you went for the G-Wagon, didn't you? So I'm having a full fat Range Rover. Um, oh, okay, okay. Because, well, for, for well, yeah, probably some towing the Cortina yes. and, the, and the Ferrari when it breaks down. But also, I just, there are times, aren't there, where you don't want, you know, talkative steering you just don't want a great soundtrack um bad weather long journey you just want to get in something with heated seats and sit back um and a a full-size range rover for me is the one okay Okay. I did, I, okay. I, I, okay. I, I can see all the others. The, the full size range. I can see the full size range. It's fine, but it, it interests me for those purposes that you would have it over, um, you know, a, I don't know, an S class or a Flying Spur or or even a Conti GT or, or or something like that. So does does the bigness and the SUV ness and the off roadiness of it um, count in your book? Yeah, it does. Um, I'm thinking winter weather. You know, sometimes yeah. that that would be a factor. But also, I do want something that I can bundle a few mates in, a load of stuff in the back. Um, you know, big road trip with friends. Yeah, I, I, I'd I'd want something with the space to to do all of that. And um, tow your Cortina. 
Anto de Cortina. So there we go. The, the, my five cars. Um, we we now have to start applying the twist, and we're going to start with yours first. And the twist is that you have to get rid of one and explain why, and then get rid of another one, and then another one until you only have one left. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Shall I commence? So what are you culling first? I'm getting rid of two, but I'm going to add one. You see, that's the way I roll. That's the way I think, you see. I'm not just going to... There was, no, there, was, there was no rules which said you just had to get rid of one and then another. It's a five-car garage and then a four-car garage and then a three-car garage. So I'm getting rid of the Lola and having got rid of the Lola, I don't need the G-Wagon. Right. Yeah? Okay. okay. So that's the thinking, okay? So I haven't got a racing car anymore, but I need a car I can race, okay? So I have to have a racing car I can drive on the road. So I'm going to get... A pre-65 FIA spec short wheelbase 911. Another 9 Hang on. You've now got more than one 911. Yes, I, th- I thought you might bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> you utter hypocrite. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. I did know this when I, when I, when I, when I, when I tried foul at yours. Um, but yes, uh, I mean, but, but you, I mean, the short wheelbase 911, the first time, oh, I'm going to sound like such a twat, but... The first time I raced the more, um, but I, I was, um, I did the little more classic for the first time. I've only done it twice, but I did it for the first time, I think in 2010. Um, and I was meant to be racing something quite whizzy, um, which didn't turn up or it was broken or something. Anyway, the, the person who owned it said, I'm really, really sorry. Um, but don't worry. I've got a 911 for you to race instead. And I thought Le Mans short wheelbase 911. I just thought that's, that's going to scare me. Um, but you know, there was nothing else and it was the choice of racing at Le Mans don't. So I got on this short wheelbase, um, 911, which is actually the same car that, um, Christopher raced at the Goodwood Revival and Howard Donald own. And it was just a peach. I literally knew from the, from, from the first lap that it wasn't going to cause me any problems at all. And it was, it was such a beautifully set up car. It wasn't the most powerful. It had like 180 horsepower, but it had a nice um, Tut Hill tune, very tractable engine, which revved up to sort of seven and a bit, but it sounded incredible. The handling was out of this world. And I just felt so at home in it. And I could just, and I can remember thinking to myself, I could just do anything in this. I could collect the kids from school in this. I could go on a big road trip in this. I could, it's the same, it's, it's like the Bentley, really. You could just do anything in it. And, and, and my point would be every time I'd raced it, I'd just have to drive it there and back. And I was just, I was so happy in that car. So yes, absolutely. I have broken my own rules and I now do have two 911s. But yes, so, um, so out with the Lola, out with the G-Wagon, in with a short wheelbase 911. Right. Okay. So let's just clarify that you have so far selected six cars for your five car garage. No, I wouldn't see it so much as that as a four or five car garage and then a four car garage. And I've just got rid of two and put one in. Right. Okay. Well, uh, uh, okay. I'm calling foul, but you're going to disagree. So we'll just have to get on with it. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I, I think, could I refer you to your, your earlier statement about getting the rules out up up front? Well, yeah, I know. That's why I'm, we're going to have to wave play on, isn't it? Okay. I won't do it again. Okay. I will just reduce by one from now on. Are you sure? Yeah. I just, I'm just so interested to see if we're both going to end up with the same, we are just going to both end up with the same car. But let's let's see. Keep going. Okay, uh, yeah, so, what, so you've got, what, what, you've now got four cars, so you need to get So I've now one. got an F40, a four and a half litre Bentley, a short wheelbase 911, and a GT3 Touring. What are you losing? Oh, so I'm going down three now, am I? Yeah. Oh, okay, uh, the Bentley. 
I mean, it's. I mean, I love the things. I really, really do. But um, yeah, um, I, 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 I'm. I, I'm not so much losing it as keeping the F40, the short wheelbase, and the GT3, um, because uh, I, I can't be without a GT3. I can't imagine. I can't be without a racing car, and I can't be without an F40 because life wouldn't be worth living. Let's face it. So, um, okay. So by default, and not through any fault of its own, the Bentley's going. Okay, fine. You've said you can't be without an F40, you can't be without a racing car, but you now have to get down to two cars, so you're going to have to be without one of those. Yeah, well, it's the F40, isn't it? What, you're losing the F40? I'm losing the F40 because it's the one, it, because I have to race, and, and, and it's also, of, you know, even back at the five-car garage, I always knew the F40 would be the one that I'd use least. Um, it's the one that is most difficult to use because, um, you know, you really do need the right kind of environment in which to exercise that kind of car um and i would be frightened about um you know damaging it and uh yeah i mean it's a real occasion car isn't it it's a car for a specific purpose it's not the sort of car that you just wake up and think oh i'll go and drive the f40 this morning so um so the f40 is gone which leaves me with a short wheelbase 911 and a gt3 touring 911 so having okay. said you can't have more than one 911 i've now my last <laughs> only both 911s um, <laughs> okay and, and ultimately, you have to get rid of one more, because, and it leaves you with just one car to use for everything. Yeah, well, so, it goes, I, I, so, so the racing car has to go, doesn't it? Um, because I don't, race, I don't race all the time, and I do drive all the time. So my one car, for all purposes, all reasons, and I could go and do track days in it um, and, and everything else, I would, yeah, the one car I would keep without any question at all. I'd love to say, oh, it was such an agonizing decision, but it wasn't. It was dead easy as the GT3 Touring. <laughs> And there we go. So we've whittled you down from five to one um, with a little, little bit of cheating going on in there. Um, and you're left with the GT3 Touring. I wouldn't which... call it create cheating so much as just sort of creativity. Right. Okay. Well, okay. So it's the, it's the Adrian Newey approach to the rule book, Precisely. isn't it? Precisely. <laughs> okay. Bending the rules without breaking them. All right. Well, I need to get down from five to four. Um, so I think the first one to go is the Range Rover because ultimately I can use you know a gt3 touring for normal day-to-day duties apart from it's not a big car uh it's only got two seats but out goes the range rover how do you so how do you how, how do you get how do you get the cortina to the track well that has to go next so uh, okay. yeah i think yeah so the range rover and the cortina probably have to go together so I'm from five down to four that's down to three uh and then it gets quite tricky i think i'm gonna get rid of the dls just because I don't want to also be left with two 911s like you were. Because uh. imagine that. Imagine if, that if we both got down to two 911s apiece. I mean... Does, does, does your singer engineer other half listen to these podcasts? Uh, I don't think she does, but there's a chance she can hear me through my bedroom wall. So <laughs> she might have taken <laughs> When you said get now. rid of the DLS, I'm sure that went out terribly well. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm sorry, Imogen. Um, okay, so that's gone. So I've got a 250 and a GT3 Touring. And I, I've got the same predicament as you, haven't I? You had a, an older car from the 60s that only had limited usability. And so have I. Um, so that has to go. And I, I'm, I'm thoroughly disappointed that I'm left with the same car as you. Because everyone listening to this, they're just going to go, well, you're all dyed in the wool, aren't you? And you've got no imagination. I think I'd be right. <laughs> I mean, hard to argue, guys. To be honest, um, guilty as charged. Yeah, guilty as charged. But I mean, I mean, what else could? I mean, okay, okay. Here's a question, and okay, I, 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 the justification I completely understand because it is money, no object. But you know, you are the proud owner of an Alpine A110. Yeah, yeah. 
but it's not on the list anywhere. Whereas, I mean, yeah. could that not be your GT3 Touring? It could be, but if I'm talking, you know, the, I love my car. I was driving it yesterday on some roads that I know near Castle Coombe, and that's when it's at its best on slightly bumpy B roads. And you just, the, the chassis works beautifully, and it's, you know, it even steers well, and it's, ah, oh, it's just, it was absolutely sublime. But if we're talking one car for everything, or you know, dream cars, it, it it doesn't have the powertrain, does it? Being being brutally honest, being turbocharged with paddles. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a it's a facilitator for the the chassis, isn't it? That that drivetrain. Um, so I think I think that's why I think that's why. But there are a couple of interesting themes. Neither of us have a modern supercar. I don't think the GT3 Touring quite counts. But yeah, no seven twenties, no. F8? No. Um, it's all about usability, isn't it? Um, you know, if I had one, I'd have a 720S um, because having been lucky enough to live with one of those for a few months last year, I do know how usable they are and I do know how lovely they are to drive slowly. And that to me is the key point about that car, which people just miss again and again and again because you tend to get in them and drive them like your pants are on fire. But it's because they steer so nicely, because you can see out of them so well. Um, you know, they they are just cars that you can use daily. And I did. You know, it was my daily drive for six months. I can't believe... I, even now, it seems like a distant dream. But, um, you know, they are... Be- and, you know, they've got lots of luggage space. The interior works well. Um, yeah. So, but, yeah. But actually, you know, the GT3... The problem with the McLaren is that you, you you just worry a little bit about it. I, mean, I can remember leaving it in long-term car parks at Heathrow and just being a bit sort of twitchy about, you know, and you couldn't get it into a, you know, multi-storey car park at the supermarket. Maybe if you were that rich, you wouldn't need to. But, um, yeah, no, ultimately, you, you're absolutely right. No hypercars um, at all. Yeah, strange one, isn't it? I think that probably speaks volumes, actually. Um, all right, so that, that's the five-car thing. We, we're going to play one more quick game. Yeah. Um, and I'd, I'd like you to quickly set out the rules, please. Okay, so, so Dan wants me to set out the rules for game because I sprung up on, on him about 30 seconds before this podcast started. So whereas we, we knew about the 54321, uh, he had no knowledge of, 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 of the last um, twist to the twist, which is a three-car garage, okay? But you have to keep a daily driver in there and the budget for the whole lot can't be more than 50 grand. Oh, I'm going to struggle doing this off the top of my head. Um, okay. So, okay. Uh, the, any more rules that we need to clarify? I, presumably, not allowed more than one of the same, you know, uh, nameplate. No, I, let, okay. Let's say that because that doesn't inconvenience me in any way. So you're not, you're not allowed one or more of the same nameplate. Um, and no, and I think just as long as you have got yourself a daily driver in there, then no, that's fine. So. Um, I, I, I want to go through this quickly because I don't want you to have time to think because I'm, I, I'd love to hear you struggle <laughs> at the end of this. So um, my daily driver is going to be, and these are obviously needs, needs to say all second hand. So my daily driver is a really nice Golf GTI. Okay, Mark 7 Golf GTI, 20 grand will, drive, will buy you a beautiful, nearly new example of that. Probably might even get a Golf R actually. Might even get a Golf R, slightly older Golf R. Um, yeah, you know, five doors, manual box, bish bash bosh. That's the daily driver. Um, the uh, the fun car is a caterum um, because as per anybody who's listened to this podcast recently, I'm a bit of a caterum evangelist at the moment, and I just love their simplicity, the back to basics, and basically everything I want in a car 
in terms of not only how fun it is to drive, but actually ultimately how usable it is because it has does have things like a roof and a heater and side screens where things like Atoms don't. Uh, it's all wrapped up in the Caterham. So that's my uh, that's my fun car. And then, of course, there's the old shit. Um, and th- this I actually own. I, I cannot imagine like any circumstances um, other than you know being sent to the workhouse in which could persuade me to sell my 2CV. Um, my <laughs> 1958... 425cc 12 horsepower um 2cv it is it is the most charming thing imaginable um and as i have said maybe not on this podcast but certainly elsewhere about it it is impossible to be unhappy and at its wheel at the same time um and so every time i ever got a bit down on the chops about anything i'd just go and drive the citroen um, and then all is well with the world um and you could definitely absolutely categorically very easily get all of those 50 grand down over the year oh crikey yeah you've done well there uh you're gonna now gonna hear me squirm and uh, i don't know (laughs) that was the plan (laughs) you've absolutely sprung this on me uh okay daily driver no do you know what? i'm gonna start with the fun car and i want to go rallying actually Um, good good so i'm and i think because i want to i I want a, I actually want a front wheel drive rally car but with um a good tight diff uh just because I I've not done much rally driving at all um and so I don't want anything that's going to be well beyond me um and I think what I'd have is a few years ago uh there was a Ford Fiesta ST championship this is when you know a much older ST that with the the 2 liter normally aspirated <coughs> yes, engine 150 horsepower yeah and yeah they built a rally version of it um and i think you could probably get one of those for i don't know maybe 10 grand or something i'd have to check but they they built a few of them and they were never that expensive to begin with so maybe it's 15 grand or something um so i've got my my rally fiesta um i need a slightly more practical everyday car you've gone with the golf r which, which can tow the fiesta yeah, exactly. You've gone with the Golf R, so I, I can't have one of those. Well, you can. Um, we, both, we both ended up with 911s. I know, but I'm just trying to be a bit more interesting than I normally am. Um, I would have... So I've spent 15 grand on that. What else is there? <laughs> There's not all roads lead to golf. They do. They just do, don't they? If you, if you can't think of a car, just say golf. There'll be one that <laughs> does the job. Yeah, at a low budget, think golf. At a high budget, say 911. That basically covers everything, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> okay, so I think... Well, I think I, I'm just going to have to go golf hard because, yeah, four-wheel drive, lots of power. You could probably tow with it. Um, they're great to drive. Brilliant everyday car. Yeah. So, sorry, I'm, I'm copying you and having a, a Golf. And because I've got a front-wheel drive car and a four-wheel drive car, I then need a rear-wheel drive car for fun. Um, I've, what have I spent? I've probably spent 35... I've probably got 15 grand left. Um, and I'd have the best... <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know. It's a good shout. I'd, oh, I don't know. I'm going to regret this. But at the moment, it's the best E46 M3 I could find. For oh, very good call. Get a CS for that? I'd, maybe not no, quite. you but, won't get a CS, but you'll get an absolute perler of a... Of, of an E46 and yeah good call yeah there we go yeah. it's not bad lovely is it? low mileage car yeah, yeah. absolute manual yeah yeah manual. 18s coupe spot on yeah yeah Blimey. <laughs> okay well I'll have to remember for the next podcast that you absolutely stiffed me with that I play uh, dirty springing that game on me <laughs> uh, yeah okay alright well listen we've 
We, we've played those two games. I, I think I just want to do one more thing and talk very quickly about dog names. Oh just my because, goodness. Just because I, we went to see our new puppy yesterday um, who comes home with us in three weeks' time. Um, and it's all very exciting. And as you, as you know, you know the excitement of looking forward to bringing home a puppy. Um, and inevitably, because both of us are terrible car bores there has the name has to be somehow connected doesn't it to yeah to cars or car people um, yeah ideally you, and, and this is the trick ideally without the rest of your family realizing it exactly yeah you, you get it past the family um and and then you can know forever that it's actually a car name but no one else should so that's why enzo for instance is too obvious yes absolutely absolutely enzo enzo would be great um what about colin <laughs> no, well, it could be no. Yeah, Colin yeah. works brilliantly. I, uh, I, I no one would okay. realise who you're talking about. And you, <laughs> yeah, oh, Gordon, you, I, might, I might have to do that. Gordon, we see Gordon would be good. <laughs> Bruce, Ken. Oh, there you, you, you go. You go oh, you know, I, I, I may have to go out and get some animals now. Well, so um, you, you've, you currently have a, a Dino, don't you? I have a Dino, yes, I have a Dino, and 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 um, yeah, um, I, I can't claim that anybody doesn't know that Dino is named after um, Enzo's son, um, but um, that was sort of a sort of a collegiate thing. Um, Dino came along um, when my children were a little bit older, um, and um, we just put loads of names down. And 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 to be fair, um, the reason he's called Dino is because he wasn't it wasn't actually my choice. Um, I didn't think of it, and my younger daughter just loves. Um, names like that um, so she actually so Dino was on there and the moment I saw it I thought well that's the name and, um, and, and at which stage there, there are four of us there are two daughters and one missus and uh, the, 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 then that was 50% and we, we would always be able to vote them down so uh, so, so Dino was but before that uh, Dino's mum was Lola um, and I reckon that um, nobody knew about Lola because you know, it, it was it was to, you know, to the older generation, i.e., me and my wife. Of course, it's a kink song, isn't it? And it's a song which we've you know that we've liked and jumped around to lots of times. And to my children, um, you won't know this, um, but there's a children's book which, if your children of a certain age, they would have grown up reading a book called Charlie and Lola. Um, and so Lola was the Lola out of the book, and to, to them, to my wife, it was the Lola out of the kink song, and to me, obviously, it was a now sadly defunct Huntingdonshire-based um, sports <laughs> and um, formula car manufacturer. There you go. So you, that, yeah, okay. So that, that's a good example of sneaking a car name past the sneaking car name. But know. I think you, I think you, in, t- in terms of being sneaky, I think you've, you've done it even better because when you told me what your new mutt is going to be called, I didn't even get it. And in fact, I said to you, I actually said to you before this podcast started, Dan, you missed a trick here, mate. You have, you've chosen the name which isn't related to cars. And you went, I think you'll find. <laughs> I think you'll find. Yeah, well, I think we're going to go with Otto, um, which is, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it's after Nicholas Otto, the German engineer who basically invented the four-stroke cycle that underpins the combustion engine. Um, but it's, it's just, uh, just quite a cute name. Also, Otto is the bus driver from The Simpsons. Otto is the bus driver from The Simpsons. Gosh, I hadn't thought about that. Yes, and, that, and a bus is a kind of mechanised vehicle, so there you go. Yeah, I, do you know what? The, the, the Simpsons writers are so clever, I'm sure they did that intentionally. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I swear it. So we, we think we're going Otto. Um, 
I do worry that it's a little bit 1910s era Germany and there are certain connotations, but I what, think von it's Bismarck. okay. Yeah. Well, that's late, 19, late 19th century. I'm putting a late bid in for Colin. I'll, I'll see if I can get it past my other half. Yeah, you won't. We'll, we'll report back. Im- Im- Imogen's got far too much taste. <laughs> <laughs> well, to in the certain knowledge at the some stage, our very good mate Colin Goodwin will be listening to this. Um, well, do you know what? It's interesting that you mentioned Colin again, um, because it, 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 it was Colin who one day said to me, if, I, if he was going to do a high-quality car magazine, he would call it Otto. Would he? Yeah. So it's, it's very much Goodwin's idea. Um, and I've stolen. That okay, name okay, for... so okay, so when Goodman's talked to me about magazines, he's 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 um, he's going to. They've been called um, what? Small practical block? Formula Five Thousand. Practical Formula Five Thousand. <laughs> <laughs> so he's obviously moved on to Otto. Um, personally, I prefer Practical Formula Five Thousand. <laughs> what small block? <laughs> what small block? <laughs> uh, that's classic Goodwin, that isn't it? Oh dear. All right. Well. We haven't done um, dog names on this podcast before, but there we go. We're sort of branching out a little bit. Yes, good. We'll have to do some more of that stuff. Anyway, that was fun. Um, I just need to rattle through the, the calls to action. That's what they're called. And please, everyone. Otherwise um, known as give us your money. Give us your money. Yeah, patreon.com forward slash drive nation. Thank you to everyone who has done so already. Um, you can just bung us a little bit of money each month, which makes a huge difference. We've got really big plans and having a little bit of cash coming in makes all the difference in the world. It genuinely um, does. Uh, and, and we have been you know, touched and surprised by how many of you have been kind enough to, to lob us a bit. Um, and yeah, um, it, as, as Dan says, it's, uh, it, it means a lot to us personally and professionally. It means that we can get on and do so much of the stuff that we've not been able to do up until now. Exactly. Um, and uh, you know all the rest of the stuff. Rate the podcast, leave a review, please. That stuff actually makes a huge difference it's you know it 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 can some it could be the difference between a podcast really taking off and never quite doing so it it, everyone who who podcasts will will tell you that reviews and ratings make all the difference so please do that and tell your friends that's the last call to action tell your friends about drive nation about the podcast at drive nation underscore on instagram and we're done we're finished good fun this week Yeah, it was. And we will talk to all of you again next week. Look forward to it very much. Goodbye. The Drive Nation Podcast with Dan Prosser and Andrew Frankel.